Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. I am Rob, your host, and with me as always, my co-host, Mr. Ed Katz. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing great. I think I see a third person on today. Is that possible? I, it could be. Could we have a guest? <laughs> We're saying if you're listening to the audio, you don't know it yet. If you've seen the title, you probably do. So you, you probably do know that Mr. <laughs> Bill Dillon of Windover and Insight PRM is joining us today. And we're looking forward to a fun conversation. But first, Bill, hello. Thank you. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Hi, it. Hey, Ed. So, Bill, you, you've been with Windover for a period of time, but prior to that, you were in the commercial relocation industry. You were in relocation, you know, uh, residential. So you have some background there. You understand what salespeople in our, in our industry go through. Now you've transitioned into, uh, you know, that G, uh, lead generating part of, of our business where we try to get leads and you help us with that. But uh, give us a quick two-minute kind of elevator speech of, your history, your background, and kind of what you do. Sure. Um, my role, uh, Wendover Corporation started out of uh, Larry and my uh, moving companies in Baltimore and Philadelphia. Uh, we were combing the yellow pages looking for companies that were relocating and uh, developed databases in both uh, Philadelphia and Baltimore with about 1,500 companies that were going to be relocating. And that eventually evolved into the Wendover Corporation and I myself, my role at Dillon Moving was a uh, sales manager. I hired and trained inside and outside salespeople. We actually had about five inside reps whose job was to set appointments for our outside reps. Okay, very cool. Ed, you want to, you wanna, well, let me say this. Let me, let me give you an opportunity real quick, Bill. People are going to mm -hmm. listen to this podcast and may want to reach out and get a hold of you after they hear some of this content. Uh, how can mm -hmm. they do that? Where can they find you? Uh, well, uh, I can be reached at Bill D, B-I-L-L-D, at InsightPRM.com. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T-P-R-M.com. Okay. Um, Ed, you have any questions you want to start? You want to fire away? Are you ready? Are you locked and loaded? I'm locked and loaded. Bill, would you agree with me? There's a huge difference in the skill set between somebody that dials for dollars, smiles and dials, pro prospects, new business development, those skills versus somebody that goes out and makes a sales presentation, gives the customer, the prospect, an estimate. Would you agree there's a huge difference between the two different roles? Oh, absolutely. Um, our, our appointment setters were really lead nurturers. Their job was to be constantly dialing. At one point, they were making 60 dials an hour um, to set one appointment. Uh, but their job was completely different. They dealt with a lot of rejection, they, a lot of follow-ups. It required a lot of them being very detail-oriented with their follow-ups and scheduling follow-ups and making sure that they... Uh, um, that they were there uh, to follow up until it was appropriate to set an appointment. Um, whereas my closers, you know, they were um, they were the hunters. They were out there, and, and their job was to close the business. Well, I want to say, Ed, if, if, if memory serves me right, I think you started off in the Big Apple on Wall Street, uh, kind of what you guys are describing. I call dialing for dollars. What was your experience firsthand doing that? Thank you so much for bringing up the nightmare I keep trying to forget, Rob. <laughs> That's what I'm here yeah. for, Ed. There I was on Wall Street, 
1966, first time the Dow Industrial Average plunged below 600, would you believe? And I had to make 100 completed phone calls a day, completed that. I had to talk to somebody. Out of the 100 calls I made, we would get 10 prospects. A prospect was somebody that was already invested in the stock market. That's all they were. And out of the 10 prospects, if we were lucky, we got one client. Now you see this gray hair? I was a brunette. I was <laughs> had black hair when I first started at EF Hutton. When I left seven months later, all my hair turned gray. I was losing my hair. I was losing sleep. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. It drove me crazy. And I'm great at outside sales. You give me a product or a service, that I believe in and somebody makes the appointment for me because it's a, it was a warm lead, they, they wanted an estimate. I can go out if I believe in the product or service and sell the benefits and have a really good chance of closing the deal. But you gave me, if you gave me a list of um, 100 moving companies that might wanna subscribe to my online office moving training and say, here, here's the contact, Here's the name of the moving company. Here's the phone number. I want you to call them. I would go to lunch and never come back. You'd never see me again. I <laughs> don't like being rejected over the phone. Maybe when I'm making a sales presentation and the customer is not frowning and maybe smiling, I think maybe I have a really good chance of getting this sale. I'm not being rejected, but on the phone, it, it gives me, it still gives me shake. I'm shaking and nightmares. So I think there's a totally different skill set and I am not a cold caller or a prospector at all. <laughs> Bill, I, I'm assuming you would agree with that with you guys being in the business you're in. Sure. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the people that can do this on a regular basis. It's uh, it's a little bit different. Um, and there are some people that really enjoy it and don't, uh, you know, don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, but it's a, a different personality type. So you do, uh, you do see some salespeople who are good at both can, can close and can kind of, uh, telemarket and, and cold call and do that. There are, but okay. you know, it's an evolutionary thing. Uh, we're all of the same genre, right? The 60 minute man. Yeah. You know, you used to play both sides of the ball for 60 minute, but then they decided found that when, as people specialize, that they could become more productive and more effective. And I think that's a that's great kind of point. The same thing. Yeah, I think that's a great yeah. point because I, I would agree that I'm built like Ed. I, I am a like to be in front of the client. I like to do that part of it, dialing for dollars is uh, my weakest uh, attribute, and I'm not afraid to tell people that. I'm just not good at it because I really just don't like it. I don't like doing it. But let me ask you this, uh, Bill. What do you think the average lead time is between cold calling warm leads, companies that are moving, so that you can submit an estimate and ultimately do the move? Uh, in other words, if you want to do an office move in October, when should you be checking in on leads like this? All right. Well, October, we used to actually. Yeah, let me say October. We're, we're like middle of September, so we're talking like a month away. Is that, are right. we behind the eight ball a little bit? Yes, Sherman. We would need to get in the way back machine and go back <laughs> about three or four months if we wanted to engage with somebody that was going to move in October. We, uh, we actually used to graph activity, the number of appointments, 
and revenues. And there was a three-month lag between when we did an initial appointment and when we actually start, saw the revenue for that. But then you have to back it up even farther. And it really depends upon when you get engaged with the customers. We try to get in as early as possible. Um, there's a statistic that 70% of buyers buy from the first vendor to bring them value. So the earlier you get in, and provide them value, the better off for you, uh, for you. But a lot of sales guys don't want to be in unless they're in a position to write a check right then and there. But oftentimes you get in too late when they've already made a decision and maybe they're just bringing you in to keep the other vendors uh, uh, you know, honest or, or the vendor they've already selected honest. So we would like to be in, we would start engaging six to 12 months prior before uh, an initial move. Do you have any metrics that the size the, the, the number of employees that are being moved, does, does that play into that kind of equation at all? Or is it, you find that to be the case for, for anybody looking for a new space, they typically do that about a year out. And so that's when you should engage them. The larger moves, you might be a year to two out when okay. they start making their plans, start doing mm -hmm. their planning. So, um, but, but the small, you know, our bread and butter was that 50 to a hundred person move. And in yeah. that range, you know, as I said, we were 90 days out from the, uh, from the initial appointment, um, to revenue. So, uh, so yes, there is depending upon the size of the move, the lag, the lead time becomes different okay. as, as with virtually any product or service you sell, the larger the deal, the farther in advance they're going to plan for those opportunities. Makes sense. We, we, we use that as a differentiator. And if it was a larger move, we would say to our prospect, here was the closest thing that I had to a closing pitch. I would say this, unlike our competition, we book on a first come first served basis. We don't pick people up off the street, put a uniform on them and send them out to do your move. We don't have on the job training. All the employees that we send out on the move team will have been trained. And most of them will have a lot of experience. So if you'd like to use this, please let us know as soon as possible so we can reserve our precious, limited, most important resource for your move. And that's our highly skilled, experienced labor. And it was not uncommon that we would book moves out after we did the estimate three months in advance. And even if their move date slid, we would work with them and monitor the progress of is the space coming along? Is it going to be finished on time and all that? So that we would lock them in and get the contract signed at that moment, you know, when we book the move and get the deposit and lock them in. And we put that fear in them. And it was a great differentiator. And I think in today's environment where resources are very scarce, that's mm -hmm. a great point. Mm -hmm. I do want to ask you, Bill, kind of, you know, when we think about a lot of moving companies, there's quite a few who, who get either your service or a service like yours where they get leads. But just getting the lead isn't necessarily enough because we think about, you know, we have peaks and valleys with how busy we are. And when a salesperson gets your lead list and is still responsible to try to call that list to prospect and make appointments, but still go out and quote and do, it gets kind of back to what we were talking about. What are, do you have one or a couple of solutions for 
how they can manage or should manage a list from, from you all when they're trying to prospect? Well, yes, we do. And that's what our Insight PRM software was. Most um, CRM software, customer relationship software, uh, sales software, uh, is not good at prospecting. Uh, so we developed a tool that was specifically designed to help prospect. As a matter of fact, with our tool, if you're getting a list of 50 leads, you can set them up and w in less than an hour. You could have left a voicemail, sent an email, and also uh, scheduled a follow-up. Uh, so it automates a lot of the system. Um, but, but part of it is always having resources available to prospect uh, because salespeople in general uh, you know, if they're busy or they're starting to close deals, and this is what happens during the summer, um, the prospecting, you know, gets put on the back burner, in which case you're missing opportunities. You know, by the time it comes into September, October, November, um, those people have already made commitments uh, to to other companies. You may miss a large opportunity or, or you know, uh, a, a, you know a, a foot in the door with what could be, uh, become, you know, a marquee customer for you. So that always be prospecting uh, um, kind of uh, mindset needs to be there. Can I jump in here for a second? Absolutely. You know, with my real world experience, I had a moving company that I founded back in 1976, still in business, still very successful called Peachtree Movers, Peachtree Movers in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm still in business. I sold it in 2000. But what we found was this, and that's why we separated the prospecting from the sales. If a salesperson is also responsible for new business development, for cold calling, for doing the telemarketing, what happens is this. I think he becomes very weak in terms of self-esteem, self-confidence in controlling the customer because if I'm the salesperson and I have to do the marketing, prospecting, and the estimating and selling, I may have, be, have called that customer 12 times over 12 months, sent them emails or follow-up letters, kept my name in front of them till finally, 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 the prospect says, all right, come on out and give me a price. By the time I get out there, I'm weak. You know why? I say to myself, I already invested so much time in getting, as you said earlier, Bill, getting this prospect nurtured to the point where they say, come on out and give me a price, I'm weak. But at our moving company, our salespeople never did the prospecting. We had somebody who did all that for them. We used the Windover leads. We used them exclusively. We loved them. But the, the cold calling, the dialing, the, the uh, prospecting was done by another person so that the salesperson was clue, clueless how much preparation went on behind the scenes so they could be more controlling i'm talking about our salesperson more controlling more confident more have more self-esteem self-confidence and give a better more objective sales presentation and worrying about oh no if i don't get this job if i don't book this move i have to go back to do what i like to do least cold call see the difference let me let me ask both of you a question. That makes you know you saying that Ed makes me go. When when somebody a general manager an owner of a of a moving company is listening to this, and they go, okay, do I have to hire somebody specifically for that role, or is this something that can be done by 
you know, some type of administrative person in the office? I mean, I know personality matters. So do you, do you hire somebody specifically to do this because they have to have that right personality? Or do you sometimes find somebody who can do that within your organization and you don't have to necessarily hire somebody? Or does it go both ways? It, it can go both ways. Ideally, it, it, to, to have someone that's dedicated to that is, is the ideal situation. But a lot of smaller movers may not need that. And they may have clerical resources that could be um, educated. And if they're not doing it on a full-time basis, a lot of people can do 10 hours. We used to hire college students that would come in in the afternoon and they would make calls. So that way we weren't throwing them out on a truck or delivering boxes or helpers or, yeah. Um, so they were, they were made, making maybe 10 hours a week worth of calls on our behalf, but that prospecting activity was done every single week. Um, so they may not, depending upon how many appointments they need would dictate whether they need a full-time person, a part-time person, or whether they can use uh, an existing resource and train them uh, to at least start that nurturing process. And it's also a lot easier to train a lead nurturer than it is uh, a, a seasoned, you know, professional salesperson. Sure. Ed, how'd you do it at Peachtree? Well, we did around 4 million a year in local office moving and our salespeople did on average, let's just say two and a half to three estimates a day. And we had one full-time person work seven to eight hours a day doing the prospecting, doing the cold calling full time. <laughs> and I can tell you, even when we were slammed, even when we were overbooked, she was still smiling and dowling. We kept that pipeline full because that salesperson who went out to do the estimates each day knew if they didn't get that move, they were estimating there are three or four or five other companies that are waiting for an estimate, want an estimate. So you see how it kept feeding. That actually put the pressure on the salespeople, which is great. And so she did all that, and she loved it. You know, if we said to her, you need to go out and do an estimate, we'd never see her again. That was the difference <laughs> in the personalities and the skill sure. set. There's no yeah. way in heck she could ever go out and do an estimate. Yeah, I mean, even if she, even if she learned our, had our training and, and learned the estimating formula that we used, she still would not be able to make a sales presentation, but she was wonderful on the phone. Great. Yeah. There are those people that have, have those skills and they are, they're really good on the phone. And that's the, the, the interesting thing is you can interview and hire those people with a phone call because if they can't sell you on the phone, mm -hmm. there's no point in bringing them in. And there are those people that are really engaging on the phone. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, will do a really good job for you. And then the other thing in today's environment, you know, you have the tools to, you know, hire an at home, you know, a remote worker to do it. Um, so they don't even have to be in your area. Right. You can find and guess what? Else. If they're handicapped, if they're handicapped, legitimately handicapped, there might be a state grant or tax tax subsidy where if you go through the state of wherever you reside, your state may offer some benefit to your company as a uh, as an employer of a handicapped person who may be wheelchair bound or something could call from home use your software bill and so it doesn't matter where they're calling from right nope and 
you could get tax benefits or get a grant or subsidize their salary. All those benefits are out there for you. Let's just think about that. Sure. Let me, let me ask you this, Bill. Uh, you guys obviously offer leads through your mm-hmm. company. If somebody wanted to get those from you, and it's a monthly list, correct? It comes out each month. So you're continuously correct. getting leads. But what if somebody's a smaller moving company, a, a single location in a town, and says, you know, I just don't really want to have to hire another employee. Does an organization like yours offer some internal resources to help them, you know, make these calls, get leads, and do different things? Or is this uh, is this something you offer? I'll just ask you. Yes, it is. Actually, during the pandemic, we struggled with hiring new salespeople. So we took our existing resources Uh, And we had them start making outbound calls on behalf of our existing sales team to make them more effective. And uh, when we started doing that in 2021, and then starting this year, we started offering that service out to our customers. We'll we'll make calls on their behalf um, and send out emails on their behalf. So at least that initial nurturing, they're not missing out on these opportunities. And, uh, so they, they buy basically a piece of a person and we manage the whole process. An important thing about the appointment setters, and I'm sure you can speak to this is, you know, managing them. We actually used to have our sales representatives, uh, managing the inside team. They would go on a rotating schedule if they wanted to participate and they wanted to get appointments, they were required to be there to manage them. So on a rotating basis, they would come in and manage them for, you know, a couple hours a week. Um, so, so that's so important uh, in terms of, you know, making sure um, that the job is getting done. I wish, I wish you had offered that service back in the day when I had Peachtree Builders. It would have made my life so much better and easier. You know what it is to have an employee. It's the unemployment compensation you have to pay, the workers' comp you have to pay, the FICA share that you have to pay. I mean, all those added costs you don't realize. And then we had to do the measuring so we could manage to make sure she was doing her job as wonderful as she was. Had we been able to outsource that role to a company like yours, I would have done backflips. And then you have to manage manage the turnover as well, especially in today's environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you lose somebody and then you've got, you know, you've got to take your time to go out and fire another, find another person, train them up, get them on board it. And then, you know, it's just that constant. And I'm I'm guessing if you're managing that, your organization, we don't Mm -hmm. see that. You know, we don't, it's nothing we have to worry about uh, as, as the end user. Nope. We lose an employee, you know, it's up to us to replace them and get them in and make sure um, that they're making the, the requisite hours of calls every month on your behalf. Let me ask almost, you, go ahead. Almost makes, me want, almost makes me want to think of starting a new moving company. <laughs> it, it makes you make it sound so easy. Somehow I don't think he's telling the truth, Bill. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Mo- Bill. Moving business is a little different and it's a different breed that's involved in the moving business. Yeah. Um, you know, with an organization like yours or others, you, you guys have these lists and you provide them. You've done the homework to get us leads. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Are there a few things when you go out and you're starting to look at acquiring leads that a consumer, a moving company, when they're purchasing these, should they be aware of? Should they, What should they look for to make sure they're, they're getting quality leads, that they're working with a company that's uh, 
You know, what you just tell me, what are the things they should look for in a company to make sure they have the right partnership? Well, the interesting thing about Wendover is that it came from the moving business. So even though we sell to telecommunications companies, security companies, uh, network services companies, office furniture companies, um, you know, our, our history was in the moving and storage business. So these leads were specifically developed um, for the moving industry because some of the caveats are there are a lot of companies out there that claim to have relocation leads. Um, we used to, when I was doing the appointment setting for tech companies, uh, I had another service and they had a new location opening up and everything. But the majority of the time it was already done because most of these companies will pick that up from maybe a press release or something where they're too far down the line or, or it's already been completed. So, you know, we've been around for 32 years and there really is, is very, very little competition. So, um, so the important thing is it's somebody that that's accustomed to, um, you know, the moving business and understands, you know, kind of the lead time that you need. And, and the movers are, are really at the end of it as far as that goes. Usually they're making, you know, when they're in their design phase, they're, they're talking about furniture, network infrastructure, and telephony at that point. And usually they wait till the last minute to, um, as a matter of fact, when we were setting appointments, we used to call it throwing it out to the ridiculous. People would say, well, we're not ready for a quote yet. Oh, you're not moving for another year. And then all of a sudden there'd be this pause on the phone and they'd be like, well, you know, oh no, we're moving in three months. Uh, oh, well, you know, you're ready. We should have been talk talking six, you know, three months, three months ago. So we would try to get them into, you know, as soon as you, the sooner you make the decision, the sooner you should start uh, evaluating um, different vendors for, for the two dozen different vendors you're going to have to evaluate during the process. But uh, the majority of the people that, that coordinate a move, especially in the small businesses, have not done it before. And they really, um, and that's why we talked about providing value to them. If you can provide relocation planners or that initial consultation to kind of get them started so that the move goes smoothly, you know, that's very helpful for a lot of these people that, uh, you know, it's a very stressful um, Companies with 50 or more employees, the person coordinating the lead, the move has better than 50% chance of leaving or being terminated as a result of the move. Oh, wow. It's incredible. Yeah. I had the opportunity. Uh, I was talking to a data provider, and actually the guy that was responsible was a marketing company for the technology industry, and the guy that was responsible was actually the CIO of the company. And uh, two things, uh, he said, you know, you're right. Every time I've moved, I've always bought network, uh, network equipment. So he understood that. And then when I told him about the uh, termination or, or leaving, he said, yep. He said, we had 300 employees halfway through the move. The woman left. She just walked out. It's a great point. Well, let me ask you this. You mentioned in, in what you were talking about there, the word competition. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to mention that you have some um, limitations in place as to market and how many people can have access to your list in a specific, you know, sandbox, if you will, like commercial moving companies and things like that. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we limit the, the distribution to a maximum of five vendors in any one category so that all of our clients can get an ROI um, for our average successful customer out of every hundred leads, they'll get 10 appointments. 
that's that's and then they'll close you know two to three pieces of business from that so that's that's uh that's why you know different people you know some might do state and local governments and others don't some might do not-for-profits and others don't you know some people hate certain verticals and just don't want to go near them so naturally like anything 100 percent of our leads aren't going to be right for for any one company i mean they can call them all but they'll usually settle into the size and types of companies that they're most comfortable working with and they're the ones that they'll have the most success with and not mine but my salespeople's average closing ratio not ed katz's but by two salespeople, Ian Robbins and Todd Michaels, was 67%. Now, that's not bad. That's and our price, our pricing was like double the competition. Let me ask you when a question, we, Ed. Yes. Who trained your salespeople? I did. Ah. I, was, I taught and trained them. <laughs> I knew you did. <laughs> you, I was their sales ma- I was the owner, but I was their sales manager, and I was their coach. Yeah. And I was always a phone call away to do whatever I could to help them become more successful. Yeah, absolutely. That's a it's a valuable role for salespeople. Yep. For sure. Absolutely. I'm I'm a huge advocate of sales training. I think sales is the one profession where people think that they've got it and they don't invest. I've done a lot of work with the Sandler Sales Organization. I had the opportunity when I was had the moving business of working with a couple of uh, Dale Carnegie trainers that helped us develop our training program. But I, I'm a huge believer in salespeople. And if, if their company doesn't invest in it, and investing in their own development as a sales professional. You know, I didn't, I didn't spend any time, shame on me, I didn't spend any time on... Okay, how many jobs did you quote and how many did you book and what's the revenue you quoted and what's the revenue you booked? And I could care less about that. We had more business than we could handle. And this was back before the pandemic. I mean, just like, yeah. you know, 22 years ago. Sure. But I had my company for 24 years. And with our business model, I was in a support position for my salespeople. I did everything I could to help them become and be more successful. And I trained them constantly. And we, I'd go out with them on sales calls on an irregular but consistent basis. They never knew when Mr. Katz was going to be their sidekick. They didn't like that, but I was there to help them become more successful. And that's how I measured so I could manage. But I didn't get into the numbers game that most corporations use today but it worked for us and we weren't large i mean four million in local office moving it's not great but it was profitable it really was and we collected what we built because we overestimated we overestimated and 97 percent of the time the final bill was equal to or less than the estimated cost i like that that's great the customer liked that they like (laughs) <laughs> well, you have, you have any last questions or anything you want to touch on, Ed, before we kind of wind this down with Bill? Well, thanks to your great questioning. Our listeners now know everything that I know. I have nothing else to contribute. <laughs> well, I, I doubt that's a true statement. But, uh, <laughs> Bill, we really appreciate you coming on today and mm-hmm. having the conversation. I want to give you one last chance to tell everybody again where they can, uh, you know, connect with you, email, if there's a website they can go check out, anything like that. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I'm sure they're all familiar with the WendoverCorp.com is our website, and uh, my direct line is six one zero two two zero 
7545. And then once again, my email address is Bill D, B I L L D, at Insight PRM. That's I N S I G H T PRM dot com. The PRM stands for Prospect Relationship Management, just so everybody knows what the software is all about. Nice. We might have to do another show, Ed, where we kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Sure. Be happy to do it for you. Well, Bill, thanks for coming on. I enjoyed the conversation. I I appreciate you sharing some good information for our listeners. And uh, if you're not getting leads from an organization like Wendover or from Wendover, you, you might should be. You agree, Ed? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. And uh, go sell another move. There you go. Thank you, guys.